This is Primal Screen, a weekly radio show airing Monday evenings on Triple R. Primal Screen is about movies, from the ones on the big screen to the ones you stream. Hope you enjoy the podcast version and feel free to get in touch via the Primal Screen Facebook page or the Triple R website. We are broadcasting tonight from the Triple R studios on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation. This is and always will be Aboriginal land. I'm your host, Flick Ford, and joining me in the studio tonight is filmmaker and fellow board member of Melbourne Cinematheque, Andreas Giannopoulos. Welcome to Primal Screen. Thanks. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And, uh, and this is your first time on the show, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Not your first time on Triple R, but no. first time on the show. <laughs> And another Primal Screen debut, it's film critic and longtime supporter of the show, Nadine Whitney. Welcome to Primal Screen, Nadine. Hi, Flick. Hi, Andres. Lovely to be with you tonight. And on tonight's show, we are going to be speaking with Chris Loscree, the director of the Real Good Film Festival, and Blake Curtis, who is one of the festival producers. Um, the Real Good Film Festival is happening this Saturday um, for the full program. And to buy your tickets, you can head to rgff.com.au. Uh, and we're also going to chat to Andreas about his film Friends of Mine, which is one of the 22 short films being screened on Saturday at Real Good. And it was shot right here in this very studio. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, some pretty key scenes. Yeah, it's kind of some funny being, I just watched it the other day, so it's just funny being back in the studio um, at this time in real life. And later tonight, we review the French heist comedy, The Innocent, written, directed and starring Louis Garrel as a man struggling to accept his mum's seemingly dodgy ex-con new partner. Uh, it's also worth mentioning that uh, one of the best ways that you can support our show and the station more generally is by subscribing or if you're already a subscriber you might consider making a donation and no amount is too small all donations over two dollars are tax deductible Uh, it is april amnesty here at triple r which means that in addition to kind of all the wonderful perks of your usual triple r subscription you'll also go in the running to win lots of awesome prizes just head to rrr.org.au to subscribe renew your subscription uh, gift a subscription, donate or check out the price list. Nadine, I know that you renew your subscription every year because I often read out your name on yes. air. What, are, you, what are one of the perks of being a Triple R subscriber? Well, I have the sticker. <laughs> People always no. say the sticker. <laughs> no, honestly, it is the best and most diverse community radio in Melbourne, and I'm proud to be a subscriber. Well, we're very happy to have you subscribing. It is how we manage to stay on air each week. Andreas, um, we were talking off-air about um, your love of Plato's Cave, which is the pre-runner to Primal Screen. And, and Primal Screen. And so. Primal Screen, yes. Um, what, what does Triple R mean to you? I mean, to me, um, the most incredible thing about triple r is is maybe just how much they serve the community outside of the ways that you think about through their usual radio programming i mean when we approached uh triple r to shoot and um, spoke to brian who was our contact here they were just so incredibly generous with um you know how we could use the studio and um incredibly helpful with you know they were fine for us to use their logos and and all of that so um, I'm forever grateful for them just letting a bunch of 
film students in and not charging us a, a cent in location fees either, even though we insisted. Um, Brian said it, he felt it went against the radio's, uh, the, the station's community ethos, which um, I think is really great that they, they have such that, that kind of ideology. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It is all about community. And, like, I think that's the thing is that we we are all volunteers here at Primal Screen. Um, we do this every week because we love it and we love talking about film. Uh, so, yeah, your, your donations, your subscriptions really do keep us on air. So thank you so much for that. The Real Good Film Festival is a showcase of local talent featuring a curated program of exceptional short films made by Australian filmmakers. Founded in 2014 by John Roebuck as a way for a group of friends to share the films that they'd made, the festival has transformed over the years into a huge day of festivities, including DJs and food trucks and a late-night after-party. The Real Good Film Festival is on this Saturday at Lido Cinemas, and to tell us more about it, I'm joined by the new festival director, Chris Luskery, and one of the festival producers, Blake Curtis. Welcome to Primal Screen. Thanks, thanks, Blake. So, Chris, Primal Screen listeners will likely be familiar with your voice as you've been on the show before. You're a film producer and a festival programmer, and alongside uh, Bill Masoulis, you're responsible for presenting a series of semi-regular screenings at Thornby Picture House called Unknown Pleasures. You've now stepped into the festival director role for the Real Good Film Festival. Tell us a bit about what films and filmmakers we can expect. Yeah, so this is um, the real good. It's uh, run by a group of friends of mine um, who were kind of generous enough to kind of offer the festival director position to me, and I guess I was really excited by the opportunity of of working in this festival because there's there's quite an extraordinary kind of um, cohort collective of filmmakers that that sort of come around every year. So it's a really convivial and beautiful way of presenting films. Um, this year we, we ran our selections process very rigorously as we do with previous years, but, um, because we didn't run in 2022, we had double the amount of films to look at than we usually would. So it was, it was an enormously kind of, um, detailed, uh, and kind of in-depth process. But, um, from that emerged a really strong program involving, uh, three films that were Oscar longlisted. Um, a number of films that were really, really strong um, internationally awarded documentaries, um, some really strong animations, some really strong comedies. It's just a very kind of strong selection of films and I think quite representative of the best of Australian short-form filmmaking over the last couple of years. Blake, we I can't remember exactly when we spoke last about Real Good Film Festival. I think it was definitely pre-pandemic. I'm thinking 2019 or 2020. Yeah, uh, I think that's about right. It's all a bit of a blur, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So after something of a hiatus because of the pandemic, I'm guessing, you're back. Tell us what punters can expect from the day because it's quite different to a normal festival. Yeah, that's right. It's a, it's a unique festival. Um, we really um, want people to feel like they're not just at a film festival but kind of have a very similar situation to a music festival. Um, where you have a, a chance to interact with people. Um, mm. And so it's usually every hour on the hour we start a film session. Um, short films will play for about 20 to 30 minutes. And then for the remaining uh, time in that hour, people are invited to network, have a drink, you know, talk about what they've just seen on the, the silver screen and what they loved and what they didn't. Um, and the filmmakers are there to interact with. So it's a, it's a really uh, unique format. Um, that John came up with 
when he founded it all those years ago, um, to provide a space where the filmmakers can feel their work being appreciated and being able to interact with the, the, the viewers who have just had their chance to see it. I think that is one always one of the best things about festivals is actually being able to talk to the filmmakers or hear from the filmmakers and then later be able to chat to other people within the industry, you know, over a beer or whatever. Chris, there's also going to be five talks that are running as part of the festival. Let's go through those. Yeah, so we, we run the talks, uh, interestingly, um, in the off-peak uh, moments between sessions. So film, uh, audience members have a really great opportunity to kind of wend through the Lido cinemas, jumping from a session into a talk. Um, the five talks that we're doing this year include one focused on shooting on film. Um, there's a number of significant films in the program that were, were all shot on film. And so the session really explores, you know, the economic and practical and aesthetic considerations behind why that is. Um, and focuses on speaking to cinematographers and directors. Um, we have another session focused on um, the personal in documentary. Um, several of the films in the program were directed by uh, filmmakers who had very direct, sometimes familial relationships with the um, participants in their films. And so we're really sort of plugging down and exploring how that relationship is navigated when you're, you're both a filmmaker and uh, in some cases a loved one of the participant in the film. We're also doing a, a session... Um, that focuses specifically around the work of the Karabing Film Collective. Now, we've, we're actually flying out the Karabing Film Collective, which are this really amazing um, Indigenous film collective based in the Northern Territory. We're flying them out to Mel- three of the members out to Melbourne to attend the, the special screening of, of their film. So that's going to be a really fascinating uh, conversation. We're also doing one on um, editing. It uh, focuses on both editing for documentary and editing for... Uh, narrative short form fiction which would be a really great one for uh, aspiring editors and budding filmmakers to attend and we're also doing a really big one on um, new queer Australian films um, that focuses on a range of films from animation to uh, Asian diasporic migrant drama um, and it will really be quite a lively uh, session I think we've got six people attending that so it's going to be quite a quite a, a full uh, spread of talks throughout the day. A very thorough lineup, especially considering the Real Good Film Festival only runs over one day. Mm. Uh, so that's a lot to fit in. You know, for, for so many upcoming filmmakers, you know, this gives an opportunity for them, like I said, to meet with industry professionals, but also to hear from them. And these talks seem to be arranged around different streams of, of approaches and things like that. You mentioned before that there are two Academy Award nominated films. Or three? Um, three Oscar long-listed shorts and one that was eventually uh, Oscar-nominated for Best Animated Short Film. That was Lachlan Pendragon's film, An Ostrich Told Me the World is Fake and I Think I Believe It, which is an amazing title and you should have seen <laughs> the Oscar presenters read that title out on the morning of the nominations. It was quite <laughs> funny. Um, that's a really beautiful sort of Charlie Kaufman-inflected stop-motion animated short about a, a, a guy who sort of uh, discovers that he may be stuck in a stop-motion universe. Um, and, and it was all crafted by Lachlan from film school, went to Griffith Film School. So um, the fact that this tiny little beautifully handcrafted and very professional looking, um, you know, stop motion animated short went from being this this kind of like tiny little film school project to this, you know, Oscar behemoth, I think is really quite interesting. Um, and listening to Lachlan talk about that, it's been sort of fascinating. And that's definitely something I guess that we at Real Good really want to celebrate is that idea of trying to support filmmakers beyond... Film school, because it can be quite a um, scary kind of industry to work in and Mm. you can walk around with a lot of self-doubt about your own ability and your 
the story that you're trying to tell. And so we're really keen to champion people like this who, um, you know, had this idea, this beautiful genius idea at film school and the sky's the limit. Mm. Um, There's no stopping where you can go. And we just want to support everyone because, you know, just because, you you know, you might not be like Lachlan and that you your first film has all that success, but we want to keep people in this industry to keep trying, to keep pushing ideas, to keep mm. um, working as hard as they possibly can because uh, we have so many beautiful, unique voices that have stories to tell. Um, and if it doesn't have that kind of instant success, we want them to keep trying and to know that, there is an audience out there for them and we're there to kind of champion um, film filmmakers to take that next step in totally. their career. It's so heartening to hear that because I remember when I finished film school and I didn't have a clear idea of where to go to next and there's something so special about having a film that you've made and worked on with a team of people on a cinema screen and having an opportunity to invite um, not just family and friends but complete strangers to watch your film and to receive feedback on that about what you could change and then from there to meet other people in the industry because it's really hard. You mentioned before, Chris, about one of the workshops focusing on using film, Mm. um, there's often this understanding. I know there's the Artist Film Collective, which operates in Melbourne, that are very passionate about film, and we've spoken to them on the show before. But often there is this sort of connection between it being um, outside of what you can afford. And well, it's kind of a Melbourne thing, right? And I would go as far as to say my friends Bill and Lucy, who um, Blake also knows, were sort of pretty central to that in the sort of mid-2015, 2016 period. They, they made um, – Bill Blakely and, and Lucy Knox made um, some really terrific short films in film school that, that were using film and subsequently went on – um, and very sort of famously have sort of continued working on 16mm and 35mm for music videos, uh, award-winning music videos. And I think there's been a whole generation of, of younger ACs and DOPs who've, who've sort of grown up in Melbourne using film, at least partly in a, in a response to their work because they've been so profligate. Um, that said, the film that we're screening in their program, Hot Mother, was not shot on film. It was shot digitally. So um, I think it just shows the sort of the adaptability and the mutability um, of film styles and film forms and the ways that um, certain kinds of trends and processes can really take off. They catch people's eyes. People get sort of besotted with them for a little bit and they might, might experiment in that form. And so, certainly the work that's come out of the Artist Film Workshop is, is, uh, is one of several uh, concurrent film movements happening across Victoria. There's a lot of that activity at Swinburne Film School as well. So... Um, it's really good, I think, to sort of draw attention. I, I was always very sceptical about it uh, in my own practice, but having come to ha- do that work myself, not least of which with, with Bill and Lucy in, in another context as a producer, um, it's, it's a really delightful, beautiful, very intentional process when you use film. And I think um, drawing attention to that by spotlighting three of the, I, I would say, most visually beautiful films in the program is, is uh, one way we can sort of pay homage to that. And we've got one side where you've got the upcoming filmmakers who are able to present their work, meet with industry professionals and also just have that um, sense of being able to put out their work and say, look, my film is part of this festival. We've got the flip side of that, which is people who are wanting to know what is fresh and upcoming Mm. in the film world and what are people putting out there. I'm really passionate about short film and I think it's such an exciting place to show experimental form, like you said before, Chris. You've got an amazing number of filmmakers who will be present at the film festival. So can we go through who, who will be attending? Yeah, there's there's heaps of people. Um, so obviously the Caribbean Film Collective, three of the members of that collective will be coming um, 
Alison Chorn, uh, Cambodian South Australian artist and filmmaker, she'll be coming. Um, Andreas Giannopoulos, we've got William Dwan is coming, and um, uh, th there's lots of people. Yeah, <laughs> there's lots and lots of people. I could go through the, the names, but uh, we'd be here for probably the next one. <laughs> no, it is a very it's, extensive and it's a great, list. It's a great show of faith in the festival that the filmmakers want to actually come to the festival and bring their, their, their crews and their, um, their friends and families as well because it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good show of faith in the power of a festival to really collectivise and bring people together and spur conversation and new ideas, new collaborations potentially. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we've, we've chosen to put a lot of these films in dialogue also with maybe uh, sh you know shorts by more established names. So we're, we're playing a really extraordinary um, uh, uh, sexual assault drama by Noura Nyasari called Tam. Noura just uh, won the Audience Award at Sundance for her debut feature, Shida. Um, so that's that's an example of like someone who's who's you know made a recent brilliant uh, Australian short film that's sort of migrated fairly quickly onto making a feature film. So there's there's that part of the conversation as well, like the degree to which spotlighting these voices is as much about um, creating an ecology of support around people that will allow them to then rise up to the challenge of making something long form, which isn't to say that short form filmmaking isn't a beautiful discipline distinct unto itself, but it's definitely something that we're very conscious of, which is one of the reasons why in the awards that we run, um, we were very conscious of stacking our jurors with people in development positions at, at some of his, um, Melbourne's major film companies like Marissa Brown from Tony S Productions, uh, Alice Bergen, head of documentary at Sweet Shop and Green, Molly O'Connor from Film Camp. Um, there's a number of people in that cohort that um, do have the maybe the interest in, in um certainly the time and the and the patience and the taste to sort of really consider the trajectories of a lot of these filmmakers um, and maybe even have the potential to kind of work with them at some point in the future. And that's really important yeah. for us too because it's yeah. like when we look back at some of the films that have um, been at Real Good in the past, it's been really uh, great to – it's almost been like proud parents kind of seeing <laughs> a lot of these filmmakers kind of go on to – feature films like um, mm. Natalie James who had her short uh, Relic which was in yeah. um, at a real good a few years ago. We actually had Natalie on the show a few weeks right. ago. Yeah. yeah so now she's gone on to such bigger and better things yeah. and like you know I, I went to film school with Nat so it was so great to I don't know like I don't I'm not saying that real good's responsible but it, it's just nice to be a part of it I guess in some way mm. like to help um, champion these voices because that we have so many extraordinary artists and filmmakers, and I feel like they a lot of them kind of just need a bit of a leg up. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I love that you you use that phrase before, Chris, of the um, ecology of support, and I think that really taps into it. This idea of being able to support and and foster and create a space for these filmmakers, and then also to, to shape in a really significant way what Australian film looks like because so often our cinema is defined by what gets funded mm. and if you, only the really safe projects are getting funding like serious funding and the cost of living is going up and all of those things it's so important to have a space for experimentation and and to show the diversity of Australian filmmakers and I, I really love that Real Good Film Festival taps into that because it's so important that we have platform for these voices mm. can we talk a bit about the judges and and the awards that are on offer 
Yeah. Um, so there's four awards that are part of the festival. Uh, best short film, best short documentary, best on-screen talent, which is obviously performers. Um, it's the non-gendered award. And then there's best off-screen talent, which is for uh, below-the-line uh, people. But uh, this year we've kind of expanded it to be a little bit sort of wild, like the Carving Film Collective are, are up for best off-screen talent for collective authorship, for instance, um, which is a bit of a, a I think, a quite a necessary provocation. But no two awards are the same in that category, and quite deliberately so, because we want to sort of spread the love amongst the range of, of interdisciplinary craft categories. Um, our best short film award is this year is sponsored uh, as a cash prize by Umbrella Entertainment, um, which is is uh, and we thank Ari and and his team for for doing that. That's um, a really good show of support uh, for our for the festival. It's the first time we've had a major cash prize um, in one of our award categories. And our judges, we, we we're quite lucky in in having sort of really good industry networks to draw from, and and a significant amount of interest already in in the festival. So in addition to Marissa Molly and um, and Alice, we also have my friend James Hewson, uh, former director of the artistic director of the Melbourne International Film Festival, and just a voracious, uh, very intelligent cinephile. Um, Kalu Oji, a, a really wonderful um, emerging director who made a um, short film called The Moon and Me and is currently developing his uh, debut feature film with uh, Arena Media as part of the Originate program. So very much representative of, of, the, of the broad range of newer voices that are more directly reflected in the program. And also the, um, the great Greek Australian director, Jason Raftopoulos, who made West of Sunshine and is just currently finishing Voices in Deep, his uh, second feature film with um, Exile Entertainment. So quite a, quite a spread of different people um, and all of whom uh, are able to contribute sort of really valuably to the conversation around the films. Um, and the nominated films we selected quite uh, carefully to spotlight. It's sort of a blend of those films like An Ostrich that had maybe more recognition are just kind of undeniable and also films that, you know, a kind of very special personal favourites like Lime Parfait and uh, Friends of Mine by Andreas Giannopoulos, which are really these beautiful handcrafted personal films which maybe haven't had as much recognition as they perhaps deserve. Um, the other really exciting thing about the program, which is we, we really noticed this after we just hit program lock, is just how much of a spread of different voices there are in the program. Like it's, I think the program is 50% um, female or gender diverse. Um, it skews non-English speak. I mean, all the most of the films are in English, but in terms of the the um, ethnic background of a lot of the filmmakers and the stories presented on the screen, it does tend to skew away from the white hegemonic patriarchal norm, which is always very nice. And I, I think that that's not necessarily reflective of any broader programming aims that we've had. Um, although we obviously try and keep our eye to these things, it's more reflective of the kinds of films being made, the kinds of voices that are coming through now. Um, and the gap between the, the, this generation that, that are on the verge of sort of breaking into and making features and long-form work and then the generation preceding um, is still quite vast. I, I mean, we have filmmakers like Nora and Goran Stalevsky who have broken through and have broken through for, and Natalie Erica James, who's Japanese-Australian, broken through that group. Um, but it's, it's going to be really exciting to see what, what emerges in the next five years from, from this cohort of filmmakers. Absolutely. Yeah, from this cohort especially, there's some really strong people there. 
Mm. And for listeners who have just tuned in, I am chatting with Blake Curtis and Chris Luskery about Real Good Film Festival. Before we wrap up, Blake, you've worked with this festival for many years and it's fantastic that you're back after the pandemic. What advice would you give to filmmakers? Um, yeah, my, my main advice would be just stay weird, you know, <laughs> stay unique and, yeah. and don't be afraid to explore just because it hasn't been done before doesn't mean it shouldn't be done. Um I'm a big and don't be afraid to look in the dark. I think that was one of the best advice I got um, at film school: is don't be afraid of the dark if you shine a light on it and explore it, uh, and make make the films for yourself. Don't necessarily um, make films based on what you think an audience wants to hear or what you think will be successful. You're never going to be satisfied in that. Try, stay true to your own voice and. Yeah, explore the dark, weird sides of your mind. There's some cool stuff in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic advice. And amazing that Real Good will offer you that opportunity to platform it because I think sometimes filmmakers can get really discouraged when they are creating really weird work and, and telling stories that are their own, but it's not the stories that get funding. Mm. Um, so, yeah, really excellent. And and like you said, Chris, it's great that you've got this industry support and actual Cash money (laughs) as as a great incentive. Um, Any advice from you? Look, the festival's really fun. I mean, that's the other part of it is you you, you can rock up at any time of the day. Generally, we like people to rock up early. So it's from 10 a.m. to um, 7 p.m. So you you just rock up. And it's a a phantasmagoria of films. You wend your way through cinemas. You know, you're ducking in and out of corridors with people. It's a little bit dark. It's a little bit like cruising. (laughs) It's kind of nice, you know. Yeah. And um, and there's drinks and there's food and there's music and there's laughter and there's tears and all of the things that you you have spread out over a film festival is really crystallized down into one day. So, um, and it will give you a real taste of what is happening in Australian film and what is what is happening not only now but what will continue to be happening in the next three to five years' time. So it's like a snapshot of a moment in time in Australian film. It's very exciting. Yeah, I completely agree. I've gone to Real Good many times and I think that is what I love the most about it is kind of getting a bit of a pulse check on what's been created by our local filmmakers and the diversity of those voices which don't often get heard. So um, Blake and Chris, thank you so much for joining me on Primal Screen. Thank you, Blake. It was a pleasure. And so if you'd like to come along to Real Good Film Festival, it's happening this Saturday at the Lido. Yeah, head to rgff.com.au to have a look through the films and the schedule and to purchase your tickets. Like I said, the Real Good Film Festival is happening this Saturday, the 22nd of April at Lido Cinema. It's kicking off at 10am and running until 8pm. The festival is a really fantastic showcase of 22 world-class short films. Um, made by Australian filmmakers uh, with DJs, uh, rooftop bar and lots of talks with the filmmakers. Andreas, you are one of the many local filmmakers who will be in attendance because your short film, Friends of Mine, is uh, screening. Uh, You wrote and directed the film. Um, As we said before, you actually shot the film here in Studio 3 at Triple R and the film even features a weekly film show called Cinema City. Before we get into the film itself, uh, how did the concept first come about? The concept of Friends of Mine or the um, radio <laughs> show? Either, either. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I think Friends of Mine largely came about um, because I was dealing with similar issues as, as the characters in the film are around, I suppose, love and friendship and perhaps defining yourself, you know, after graduating from, from university and and what that all means. 
so it kind of became a bit um, therapeutic, maybe, <laughs> in sort of working through some of some of those um, issues. And um, I think the 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 idea to have most of the characters involved in a weekly radio show came about largely out of just a, a, a practicality on a story level to just have something where they could all kind of come together. Um, we see two two shows, so it's the film takes place over the course of a week, um, but to have something where they could kind of come together and would put other machinations um, relating to the plot in in place. So it was it was largely. Um, practical, but as as well based on um, you know my enjoyment of of Triple uh, R Plato's Cave, which is on the air at the time, um, and other community radio shows, and knowing people who are involved in those shows, and I guess wanting to to show that world. Um, so that was the other aspect of of making friends of mine was both to um, uh, deal with some of my personal issues, <laughs> yeah. um, but also to I suppose share an experience that myself and a lot of people I know. Uh, had of this stage of their lives that I I didn't really see uh, in in other um, Australian films, at least. That's such a common refrain for writers to talk about. Uh, the writing process is something that allows for them to unpack something. Um, and I suppose it makes sense because you actually get to play something out on screen and then kind of work through what each character's motivations or, or storyline is. So it does make a lot of sense. And I th- I th- we should mention um, for listeners, in Friends of Mine, we have Lou, played by Alex Donnelly, who is a young SAS who who's really struggling to express his feelings to his crush, Sylvie. And, um, you know, there is this interesting exchange on air um, which I feel like another character um, is also trying to express their feelings and we have this kind of miscommunication uh, and lots of sort of um, undercurrents of just mis, uh, miscommunications that happen, which I actually think are going to be reflected or at least resonating with um, the re- film that we're going to be reviewing later tonight, The Innocent. Um, now, look, the story plays out uh, in Friends of Mine against a distinctly Melbourne backdrop um, did you have an idea of how you wanted to present the city on screen? Um, I, I think I did, if if only like intuitively. Um, I mean, all of the locations in the film are places in that little pocket, like sort of close to where I grew up and the places that I would frequent, uh, you know, during my uh, undergraduate and, and during my first year out of uni. Um, but I think another really important thing is that they're all they're all really close together. Like, ironically, aside from the Triple R building, which is about a, a kilometer, a few kilometers away from everything else, everything's within walking distance. And I think it wasn't until um, after after shooting the film that I realized that that probably is a reflection of the fact that I, I mean, I I, I don't drive and I still don't have a car. <laughs> so There's no was, shame in that. Better probably, for the environment. <laughs> that's probably a reflection of um, how I experience the city. Yeah needing to take public transport or needing to walk to get to get from place to place. Um, no one in the short drives a car. Um, so it was important for me to, I guess, show how these people go about meeting each other and kind of being involved in the various things that they are um, just by walk, walking or taking yeah. public transport. Well, how? yeah, you're completely right. Like the way that we experience the city and then how we also choose to document it on screen is completely shaped with how we make our way around these places and the kind of associations that you've got. Like I, I really loved the, um, the scenes of people rushing, you know, you've got people rushing around particular corners yeah. and, and things like that in the rain as well. It's it's very relatable film. In fact, um, it was really, I think it was a real thrill in seeing your own city 
presented on screen. Um, and I think it's worth noting that you work with uh, cinematographer Erin um, Edwards um, and you shot on Super 16 um, yeah. and you got some support from Kodak to do that. Um, so why did you d- decide to shoot on film for this? So I'd shot um, my previous shorts on film um, at Swinburne during my undergrad. Uh, uh, friends of mine was made as part of my uh, postgrad studies at Afters. So um, uh, at Swinburne we had in the second year, I'm not sure if this is still the case, but we had to shoot uh, a short on film. All right. So um, that whole experience really introduced me to I, to the process and all the technicalities um, but I just totally fell in love with the amount of um, uh, attention that you have to bring to, I, I suppose, in the case of friends of mine, the directing craft when you're thinking about shooting on film and, and um, almost the, 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 the limitation that you can't shoot so much mm. um, was a really big factor. Um, but also it just, it, I think it looks good. <laughs> like it's like hard to it, deny it looks, just how good it looks. Yeah, Beautiful. it does. It's so autumnal. And one thing that I found interesting that you were talking about is the psychogeography mm. of Melbourne. Yeah, absolutely. And set it in the 90s and you've got my experience. <laughs> so <laughs> it's relatable for a bunch of people. I think it's your personal story, but I was watching it going, oh, my God, I was fresh out of university doing a film theory class. I thought I was intellectually able to connect the dots with everything, but I had no idea what I was doing on a personal level. And, yeah, I just found the whole thing immensely relatable even after all these years, and that was my stomping ground too. So, Right. I, yeah, you've captured that really well, Nadine, and um, I love the phrase psychogeography. Can we attribute that to Will Self? Is that, uh, is that from I think it's a little Maybe bit further earlier. back, yeah. yeah. He, he would have been. French. Um, Right, so, yeah. Nadine said the same thing I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> she stole it from you. But, no, you're completely right. And I think that there is something quite um, – the, the film adds this beautiful warmth to it and, and texture and tone. And it's an interesting film to place in a particular time because I actually thought maybe it is a different time that is being captured on screen. It's not immediately apparent where this w- when this would have been. And I think, yeah, that's something really lovely about that, um, to, to, for it to give that quality. Um, and I understand, Andreas, you're going to be participating in a panel discussion at Real Good Film Festival um, talking about shooting on film. Um, do you have any advice for filmmakers who are interested in trying it out? That's a good question. Um, I think just... Just, just try. <laughs> just try to. <laughs> just try. Well, uh, there's um, um, uh, I, I think there's there's almost no right or wrong um, way of of approaching working on film. I mean, it, it was it was the only way really that that theatrical films could be shot mm. um, for over a hundred years or so, at least until around 2010, a little before 2010, when all those um, cinema cameras like the Alexa and Red. For the digital cinema cameras like the Alexa and Red were, were coming out. So um, I think one, one thing that um, I really have learnt through the process of, of making a few shorts on film is that it actually, it, it first of all, doesn't cost as much as, as you think it would. Mm. And you also really save on um, things like production design or lighting um, because anything that you shoot on film 
immediately looks good and mm. it immediately has um, a personality to it. Whereas uh, on digital, you'll kind of have to you'll you'll find that you'll have to do a lot of work in other aspects of the production in order to get uh, a certain mood or a certain tone out of the image. With film, mm. it's it's built in. Yeah. Well, if you are interested in learning more about shooting on film, there will be a panel discussion this Saturday and you can also see Andreas's film Friends of Mine at 1pm and 3pm this Saturday at the Real Good Film Festival. It's a one-day festival um, of short films at the Lido and for your for the full schedule and to book your tickets, you can head to rgff.com.au. You're listening to Primal Screen on Triple R. The Innocent is Louis Garrel's fourth film to feature his alter ego, Abel. Uh, a 30-something man struggling to be excited about his mum's marriage to her ex-con husband and their new florist company. Uh, as an actor, Garrel is uh, probably best known as the brother in um, Bernardo uh, Bertolucci's 2003 film The Dreamers, um, who alongside Eva Green uh, seduces American student Michael Pitt, um, or perhaps as Friedrich in uh, Greta Gerwig's Little Women from 2019. But he's also a writer and director and responsible for four feature films, uh, which also he stars as Abel. Uh, we've got two friends from 2015, A Faithful Man from 2018, uh, The Crusade 2021, and now The Innocent. Nadine, uh, your review of The Innocent um, appears in the Alliance of Women Film Journalists website. Uh, you do note in that review the amazing performances that Trade a very fine line between comedy, thriller, and um, well, not thriller, heist, um, oh, and and yeah. drama as well. Um, tell us about these performances; they're excellent, aren't they? <laughs> they are. Now, um, look, it it has four key performances, which um, come from Louis Garrel himself as Abel, and a bit of a misery guts. Um, we've got Noemi Malan as just this irrepressible force of nature as Clemence, who is his best friend and had been his deceased wife's best friend. And, and they work together. We have Anouk Ginberg as his mother, Sylvie, who's been um, betrothed many times to <laughs> prisoners um, that she teaches drama to. And Michelle, played by Rochie Zem who is her most recent husband, and they get married in prison after she's been teaching drama to him. It comes out of um, prison, and Sylvie is incredibly keen on getting Abel and Michelle to get along, and Michelle um, is is keen on it as well, but Abel does not trust him for a second. <laughs> I, there's a there's a moment in the film in which he uh, he works in an aquarium and he's talking mm-hmm. about axolotls and the way in which they actually stay in this kind of adolescent stage. And I, I thought that was yeah, a, a very clever yeah. um, little bit of writing in which, you know, Avil himself um, does stay in that. And it's an, an almost um, – and I heard an interview with Louis Garrel earlier this week where he was talking about how it's an almost Oedipal um, relationship he has um, in which – 
both his mum and he are used to this dynamic and neither actually want to, to get out of it. Um, and so Michelle, um, Michelle adds this really interesting um, introduction to, to their dynamic. Uh, and, yeah, it's, I just saw this film today and I um, was absolutely charmed by it. I didn't realise that uh, Garel had based it on his own mother who also married an ex-con uh, and yes. got married in the prison. Uh, which is really interesting. I do feel as though throughout his uh, filmography he is often drawn to um, autobiography or biography um, and this film is no different really. Um, Andreas, what did you make of The Innocent? Um, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. It's like quite funny and it's very well put together and in particular I, I like how it, um, it the, the sort of... Uh, the, the way the genre shifts so frequently, like it sort of becomes this, uh, at one point it's this film where the Louis Garrel character is tracking his stepdad through Lyon where the film is set and we sort of think it's going to be this sort of vertigo-esque, you know, mystery, but then it sort of, the film throws that away like quite quickly in a quite funny way um, and then like you said, then it's a heist film and then it's mm. sort of a romantic comedy drama. Um so I enjoyed all of that and I think the performances are, are really great, um, um, particularly, like you said, Naomi Malant, who's kind mm. of playing against type here a Absolutely. bit, at least compared yeah. to um, the roles I've seen her in. in yeah, uh, like uh, listeners would recognise her from Portrait, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Fire. Yeah, she yeah. was in Tar as well. Yeah. She played Tar's assistant. Yeah. So she's usually these very intellectual, you know, maybe sexually naive characters, but here she's doing the complete opposite, yeah. which is quite funny to yeah, lots enjoyable of, to see. It is. I think she's a real joy. Actually, uh, all the characters in their own way are, are quite enjoyable. I think particularly the two female leads um, are really fascinating. I, I love his, um, his the, the character of his mother, which I think is, is kind of loosely based on his own mother, like I said. But she really is – it's kind of fascinating for the focus to be on an older woman's desire and her wanting something out of life. I know there's other uh, streams of narrative that go alongside this, a much younger love affair as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I especially loved um, the character of Clements who brought, brings so much joy to this and liveliness um, and, and, again, uh, quite a few unexpected twists and turns. Um, Nadine, are yeah. you already a friend of Gorel's work, uh, a fan of um, Gorel's work? I actually haven't seen much by him, but I have seen him in a lot. Yes, so, yes. Um, I think most listeners will have that same thing of knowing what he looks like and him as a character on screen, but may not be so familiar with his work. And, and like I said, he keeps going back to that character. Whereas with Naomi, I don't think there isn't. And there's a thing I haven't seen by her. <laughs> I might I might be slightly stalking her filmography. <laughs> what I really enjoyed about the film too is that as much as it's about um, Louis's mother, it's also paying tribute to his father, Philippe, because there's a nouvelle vague streak through the film that is undeniable, you know, in, and and also oddly enough, there's a there's a small nouvelle vague streak going through Andreas's film yes. too. Um, I would say I bigger than it. small. <laughs> 
big influence for sure. Yes, I do yeah. actually. It's lovely having both your short film, Andreas, and The Innocent, two very different films in some ways, um, but similar, um, yeah, strange, um, influences in some way. Yeah, they, they, they definitely are in conversation. So it just worked out that way, but they are very much uh, comparable in that sense. Yeah, and the the, the fun that um, Louis is having with updating the Nouvelle Vague of, of his dad, and you know, mm. because they absolutely adored people like Hitchcock and there is a scene that is basically Hitchcock. The music starts to get really burnt at home and, and there's that slight slapstick element of Abel being the worst detective on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> I actually love I love it when Carell is in that mode because he can play very serious roles. Um, mm. You know, the dreamers is kind of this sultry, serious person. Uh, but the, being able to lean into that comicness and make fun of himself, I think a lot of the comic lines are, are probably given to other characters, but his awkwardness is really well captured. I mean, there's a fantastic scene in which he his car accidentally rolls backwards and hits a moped and... Um, I'm not doing it justice, but it's a very. There's a lot of really genuinely the funny moments. Why that happens is hilarious. Too. Yes, <laughs> and we. I played a track before, um, and the soundtrack we're saying off air is really fantastic. Um, I do highly recommend checking out The Innocent. I think there's not many fun films that we can often recommend because a lot of the um, awards go to those you know, dark, depressing, serious films. But The Innocent uh, is definitely a fun ride. It's currently playing at select cinemas. Uh, Nadine and Andreas, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Flick. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Primal Screen, a weekly radio show airing Monday evenings on Triple R. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast version and feel free to get in touch via the Primal Screen Facebook page or the Triple R website. 